Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 21 of Revelation chapter 22. And we're continuing to look at verse 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, let him that heareth say, Come, let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. We were looking at uh, the first part of this verse in our last study, and we saw that it is the Spirit, God himself's desire to come, and it is the desire of the bride, which is um, made up of everyone that God has saved, for Christ to come. And it goes on to say, let him that heareth say come, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. So he that heareth would also be a reference to the person that God has saved, part of the bride. It's just reinforcing it, re reemphasizing the same thing. And uh, it, it continues, and let him that is a thirst come. And again, who is a thirst? Those that God gives spiritual thirst to um, in the drawing process when when God has found an individual who's one of his elect and, and was born into the world, and then the word of God seeks out that person, and through the hearing of the word of God, God began to draw that individual to himself, to his word, the Bible, over the course of a period of time. It could have been days or weeks, months or years, and, and bringing them closer and closer, causing them to thirst for righteousness. As it says in Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And when they thirst for righteousness, Christ is righteousness. And to obtain Jesus' righteousness is salvation, where salvation brings the righteousness of Christ to clothe the unrighteous sinner, and and so the thirst is for desire, for salvation, and and when God would save a person, that thirst would be quenched, as they would receive the righteousness of Christ by the righteousness of one, or by the obedience of one. It says in Romans, many are made righteous, but there is another thirst within the people of God, and that is a thirst for the completion of God's salvation. God's elect hunger and thirst after righteousness. But um, remember what it says in Second Peter chapter 3, where in verse 10, uh, the Lord describes 
the destruction of the earth and the universe. And then he says in verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. God's people who are already saved, they've already uh, experienced the first resurrection, the resurrection of the soul, yet continue to look with expectation and hope, with longing, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God. Why? Because they're looking for righteousness to come in in a few different ways. They're looking for Christ to come. He is righteousness. He embodies righteousness. They're looking for a new heaven and new earth to be created, wherein dwelleth righteousness. God will be there, and and it will be a, a lawful, just, righteous place. No sin of any kind will ever enter into this glorious new heaven and new earth. Righteousness inhabits the place, and and God's people long for that. The the elect, typified by Lot, uh, who dwelt in Sodom, and and remember what God says in uh, the chapter before this in Second Peter chapter two, God says that righteous Lot had his soul vexed day by day with their unlawful deeds. And that's the case with God's people who have received a new resurrected soul, perfect, holy, righteous. Yet, here we are in this world and our soul is vexed within our own self because of the sinful desires of our flesh. Our soul is vexed when we um, go out into the world in any way because of the sin all around us of the world and 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 so there is a longing there's a yearning uh, there's a groaning within the child of God for completed righteousness completion of their own salvation for the taking away of their own physical body that's seeing corruption due to sin for the removal of the earth that's cursed by sin for the transformation, the the destruction of the whole universe that has been tainted and cursed by sin, and for a new habitation, an eternal dwelling place, where the elect will will dwell with their new resurrected spiritual bodies that are righteous, along with their soul, and where God, who is righteous, will dwell, and wherein. Only righteousness will be. There will be no injustice, no unrighteousness, no wrong of any kind ever again. And and this is what the people of God uh, desire, especially now, as the world has been given up uh, uh, to gross iniquity, as God has gave man up, uh, to uh, terrible sins, uh, as it says in Romans chapter 1, 
And as the church has fallen away, as iniquity has abounded across the face of the earth, oh, the, the, uh, the vexed soul of the child of God is crying all the more, How long, O Lord, holy and true? How long before you complete your promises and, and bring about this righteous creation of a new heaven and new earth and, and how long before I no longer must deal with the body of this death, with this physical body uh, that is corrupt due to sin. The longing of the true believer is certainly in view here, as it says, and let him that is a thirst come. And, and God's people uh, are joining the the chorus, the heavenly chorus. There's the Spirit of God, there's the Bride, which would include all the elect in the kingdom of heaven already in their spirit essence and and all the children of God upon the earth that are thirsting for God to do as he has said because they they know it is coming. He is faithful and true. And, and all voices are joining together. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Uh, even so, come, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then it goes on to say at the end of verse 17, And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The, the way this verse is worded here, it lends itself, as God has written the Bible this way, for people who want a gospel out of their own mind and their own making, a gospel that is known as a free will gospel, where it's up to the individual, up to the sinner, to exercise his or her own will to choose Christ and to become saved. And uh, this statement fits right in with that. At least they would think. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You have the idea of anyone expressing their will and taking, which is exactly what the gospel of the churches teaches. You have to reach out and take Christ to yourself. Take God's salvation. He's offering it to you. Now just... Take it, accept it. And, of course, it's completely false, completely wrong, and and completely contrary to the actual teaching of the Bible. The Bible tells us that men are dead in sin. And concerning our will, uh, God tells us in John chapter 1, in verse 12, But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, I started there because that's where a lot of pastors would start. And they would say, well, you see, as many as received him, you have to receive Jesus. Just like when there is a gift being given to you, you have to reach out your hands to receive it. That's your part. And yet they fail to take into account the whole Bible, because God explains in John 3, verse 27, John answered and said, 
a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Even the act of reception of the gift of God is also part of the gift of God. A man can receive nothing but it be given him from heaven. And 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 so here the the church has no excuse. It uh, the theologians who teach these things have have no basis for saying what they say that it's up to you to receive God and as though uh, it it's your doing rather than God's. And then it goes on to say in verse 13 of John 1 which were born, and of course that's referring to being born again. God's going to explain how a man is born again, which were born not of blood. Doesn't matter if your father was a pastor or a priest or or whoever. You're not born again due to um, lineage or descent, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, Notice the word will. No man is born by the will of the flesh. And in case you missed that, it goes on to say, nor of the will of man. No man is born again by the will of man. That's about as direct and as straightforward as any statement in the Bible could be. God is saying, look, uh, people, you're not born again by the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. And in the concluding part of this verse, God tells us how someone is born again, but of God. But of God. God will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. He will have compassion upon whom he will have compassion. Salvation is of the Lord. It, it is according to predestination, to the program of election. God uh, chooses to save Jacob and not to save Esau before either were born, because he did it before the foundation of the world. And these are the scriptures. This is the information that must be factored in whenever we come across a verse that says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Or, the verse that we're encountering in Revelation 22:17, Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Well, no verse stands by itself. It's in the Bible, and the whole Bible must be in harmony with any conclusion we come to. And, and that's the way God has trapped um, the natural man. The natural man reads this verse and he comes to a quick and hasty conclusion and he does not take the care nor the time to look into everything else the Bible says and he develops his other kind of a gospel. A gospel that is not of God and that cannot save. Well, anyway, here in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, and whosoever will and who will? Those that are born of God, God's elect. Let him take the water of life freely. Now, the word freely 
is an interesting word. It's the word that uh, we find in Matthew chapter 10 and in uh, verse 7. I'll start reading there. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. And there's that word received again. Freely ye have received. Well, no man can receive anything except to be given uh, to him from above, from God. God has to include the reception as part of the gift. And, and so this verse really has in view salvation. Freely ye have received the gift of God, freely give the gift of God. And, and that's what the Lord's people did in so far in the day of salvation. They went forth with the same word, the same gospel that sparked life within themselves as God used his word to create a new heart and spirit within them, they carried it freely to others, and God did the same thing with others that were elect. And and, and so this word has the idea of salvation, and, and freely have received salvation, freely give salvation, and implied in that would be doing whatever it takes to bring that salvation to other people and and in this time of course the day of salvation is over and yet God's people are, are still performing the task that Christ has given feeding the sheep bringing the news of the completion of salvation which would be the resurrection of the body and uh, that our redemption is nigh that kind of information. Well, the Greek word translated freely is Strong's number 1432, and it's translated in an interesting way in John 15 and uh, verse 25. In John 15:25, it says, But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me, Without a cause. And this is Jesus who is referring to himself and the reaction of uh, Israel, the, the leaders of Israel and, and uh, the Romans uh, of unsaved man. He, Jesus was hated yet without a cause. Remember Pilate said, I find no fault in him. He's done nothing wrong. Pilate found him innocent. And Jesus was the perfect man, God. He, he never sinned in word, thought, or deed. In, in nothing did Jesus do anything wrong. And, and therefore when the Jews apprehended him and, and when they took him before their council and found him guilty of blasphemy and turned him over to the Roman authorities for crucifixion, it was all done without a cause, no reason at all. They had no justification. There was nothing they could say truly that was a reason for 
the way they treated Christ and, and for putting him to death. And that's the word freely. Now just think of the verse we just read in Matthew 10, 8. Freely ye have received, God says to those he saved, freely give. That is, without cause ye have received the gospel. Or without cause you have become saved. And and now that does make sense, doesn't it? And it does fit. And it does explain some things to us. Why did God save us? Why did he save a certain people for himself? What reason does God give in the Bible for saving us? Were we better than others? Were, were we uh, more good? Were, were we more righteous, more just, more pure, more holy? No. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There's none righteous. No, not one. All those statements and many more apply to those that God saved equally as to those he did not save. And God only tells us that he chose a people for himself. He predestinated certain ones according to his good pleasure. That is, without cause. There, there is no cause in them, nothing that prompted God, that caused God to save us. And he looked at the whole human race, and he determined, I'm going to save this one and that one and the other. And there was no cause. It was completely without cause. And freely, without cause, he have received the gospel. Uh, in Romans chapter 3, this... Um, Says and, and this is why it's so helpful to uh, use Strong's Concordance, to go from Scripture to Scripture, and to see how one Greek word is translated as different English words, because it helps to define the words that's being used. It, it also helps us in our minds to understand that word better. In Romans 3, verse 23 and 24, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, let me read that and and substitute the the phrase without cause. All sin, fallen short of the glory of God, being justified without cause by his grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are justified by the faith of Christ, and and by the blood of Christ. We're justified freely or without cause. And it, it really does um, tell us a lot of God's salvation and he was not looking at us he was not looking at our personality he was not looking at the way we lived our life he was not looking at um, how nice a, a person we might be or how polite we are or how we have never committed murder or stolen 
Well, that's not true, is it? Because God has saved a great many people that are murderers and thieves and liars and adulterers and fornicators and uh, effeminate and and homosexuals and, and everything else, everything that is contrary to his law, those are the ones he has saved. They've They've broken the law of God. They're transgressors, and um, they they have sinned against God. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever in, in all the world. There is no reason that God has saved you or me according to the things we've done. There is every reason for him to have condemned us and destroyed us along with everyone else. But by grace, by grace, we are justified without cause by His grace. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.